Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of June 10th, 2021, including Battlefield 2042 has officially been revealed, Ubisoft really hates Splinter Cell, E3 is gonna mess up our podcast, and more. Welcome to episode 105 of Xbox On, the only podcast made specifically for Culver's employees of past, present, and future. So we have a couple things we need to talk about at the top of the show today. These aren't our regular run of corrections and things like that. These are like just uh, some like actual housekeeping. We need to figure out, not figure out, or I, I need to sit down and talk with you guys about what the plan is going forward or, you know, over the next week with E3 being so close on the horizon at the, at the time you guys are getting this podcast, it's it's E3 time, you know, it's the summer game show, whatever the hell E3 is. It's not a defined set of days anymore. Now it's a collection of events because everyone's got to be special and have their own event that is wholly their own and not a part of E3, just coincidentally the same week of E3. So as annoying as it may seem, we got a lot, a lot of shit happening. So it's it's a lot of exciting stuff. It's just an overwhelming time as well to be a quote unquote gamer. So with that said, let's let's sift through all this what we, what we got here. So talking about E3, this uh this year E3 and and just everything couldn't have couldn't have come at a worse time for me. This is a, a weird example of my personal life kind of getting in the way of the show, but I will be out of town this week. So this podcast goes live on Thursday the tenth. And obviously E3, you know, the biggest part of E3, which is Xbox Showcase, is Sunday the 13th. And I will be back home in Atlanta, Georgia, visiting family for the week. So the problem here is normally, you know, E3 such a big deal. I would break the podcast schedule. I would, I would, you know, the, the Xbox presentation would happen. And then I would stay up the whole rest of the day and night writing notes, structuring the podcast, getting it ready, recording, and I would try to have an episode of the podcast live in less than 24 hours after the Xbox showcase so that you guys could immediately, like, fresh off the heels of, here's Halo Infinite, it does your laundry, here's Starfield, it's exclusive to Xbox, and it, it mows your lawn, and here's another new Xbox console for some stupid reason, even though the, the Series X has barely been out for six months. Uh, I, this one lathers your armpits with a deodorant for you, and just all this slew of information generally I would immediately record immediately get the episode out because I want you guys to be able to you know ride that hype of new Xbox news and then have the podcast right there to go alongside with it also just you know for personal reasons what a great way to help grow the show is put out an episode about the latest Xbox news at a time where big Xbox news is happening so on, on all fronts generally that's what I would do it would make the most sense for the podcast we can't do that this time because I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be with my family. I'm already stressing out trying to figure out ways to sneak away from relatives during my trip so that I can find time to watch these events as they happen live, especially the Xbox event. I cannot cannot recap that one. I cannot watch it after the fact. I got to see that one live during the uh, actual uh, timeline of events. Anyway, so that's kind of the situation I'm in. So what does that mean for you, the listener? Simply put, 
the show's not going to break any scheduling kind of norms, okay? So this podcast I'm recording right now, obviously, will go live on the 10th, the regular Thursday run. And then next week's episode, which will encompass all the E3 news, including Xbox and Bethesda's joint media briefing, that episode will also happen next Thursday, as it normally would if it weren't an E3 week. So nothing changes for you about when the podcast comes out. The big problem here, of course, is that you know, this all this E3 stuff's happening over the weekend and early next week. You want to get that podcast immediately so you can get your, you know, fresh off the hype, get your first knee-jerk takes. That's not going to be the case. You're going to have to, there's going to be a, a delay between when the event happens and when you get the podcast. So I just want to put that at the top because I personally am not thrilled about that. I don't know that may or may not mean anything to you, but to me, it, it's upsetting. So I just want to be transparent and upfront about that to set the expectation but the podcast will come out at its normal date and time, um, but you just won't be getting an early extra special E3 episode like I would normally do uh, just because of personal scheduling and conflicts and things like that. So that's that. On the bright side, at least, you know, I'll have a couple of days to kind of go over this information in my head, think about it, marinate on it, you know, and, and really digest all the news so that when I do record and when the podcast does go live next Thursday, although it will be a few days removed from E3, at least it will be hopefully a little more thought-provoking and interesting since it won't be such knee-jerk, oh my god, this just happened two hours ago, here are my immediate thoughts. So maybe it will make for a more interesting podcast, I don't know, but that's how that's going to go. Also, something I want to get out there this week, unrelated to E3, as we move away from that E3 talk, Halo Infinite, while it doesn't make the news this week, there were some Halo Infinite concept art pieces that have been going around this week. Some new concept art that was released, showing off a lot of weapons and, and vehicles, showing off some of the West weapon customization stuff. We won't really jump into that because that stuff's a little too nitty-gritty for a general Xbox podcast. I feel like normally we would have to, you know, this would have to be a Halo podcast in order for us to really break down all that stuff. But it is out there if you are highly, highly anticipating Halo Infinite like I am. Uh, definitely something you want to check out. Hey, the Brute Shopper from Halo 3 is making a comeback, so some sexy stuff happening there. And then finally, the last thing I want to address before we jump into the comments, or regular run of show. Last week, OG Man commented in about the, why don't you change your name? Why the hell is your name second best? That's kind of stupid. You're a stupid guy. And I said, I know, OG Man, you're right. I'm sorry. And then we talked about how I can't change my name because Twitter and YouTube have certain rules and things like that about how, how famous and how important you got to be in order to make name changes. I stand corrected. Uh, someone, someone called me out about it and I don't remember who, sorry, uh, but shout out to you. You know, you must know who you are. Uh, but someone called me out and was like, uh, actually you don't, you don't need to be uh, a famous person to go on YouTube and change your name. I was like, Oh, is that so? So I, I did some digging around. I, I don't know how I was confused about this, but maybe I guess a couple of years ago, last time I really paid attention, there were different rules on it, but yes, I stand corrected. If I wanted to, I could go into YouTube and change my name at any time. And so why am I bringing this up again? Well, one, to give credit where credit's due and admit I was wrong. But two, and more importantly, um, to say, hey, listen, I don't love that the YouTube page is second best gaming. I don't love that the that the the handle and the name associated with the Xbox on podcast is second best gaming. I think it's I think it's lame. I think it's cheesy. But uh, you guys know I'm not very good at naming things, and I've been I've been upfront about that. So I must ask. Anyone has any suggestions? I am very open-minded to changing the name. I would, I would love a Twitter persona name change. I want to change my Xbox gamer tag, my Twitter name, my YouTube. I, I would love to find a new unified internet brand name to go by. I just haven't been able to think of a good one. I will say, 
the one I've, I've been going by a lot whenever I make like throwaway accounts, like I played Roblox a couple years ago. I downloaded that and I made a throwaway account. The the name I use when I make accounts like that is Epcot Daddy. Uh, it's it was kind of a it's kind of a creepy name for a game like Roblox, especially considering it's ninety nine percent just young children playing that game. But nonetheless, that's that's the name is Epcot Daddy. So let me know what you guys think about Epcot Daddy. I don't know that that makes a lot, I don't know that a lot of people are gonna be like Epcot Daddy sounds like some kind of video game podcast host. I don't know, but let me know what you think. Maybe, hey, maybe it's at least better than the second best game. You never know. With all of that out of the way, we are officially ready to jump into the regular run of topics, starting with, of course, our comments. They come over from YouTube.com. Speaking of YouTube, speaking of second best gaming, if you want to leave a comment on the show and have it right on the show, you go over to YouTube.com, you look up second best gaming. There you will find my channel and you will find the Xbox on podcast playlist. Click on the latest episode of the podcast and you can leave a no. You can leave a comment in the notes or in the comment section. You can say anything you want, free to speak your mind. As long as you're not making fun of one another or being mean to one another, you're free to do that. Uh, You can leave a nice comment for me saying something like, Jesse, Jesse, I understand that you have to spend time with your family and I respect that and therefore I will patiently wait for next week's episode. You enjoy your time with loved ones. The podcast will be the podcast when it's ready and I, I respect that. Very nice comment for you to leave. Uh, or you could leave a mean comment and still get right on the air. You could say something like, Jesse, you dumb idiot. When you decided to start doing Xbox on, you took an oath that you would always uh, put X boners before family members, you know. And so fuck your family and uh, go die in a hole. I want to hear your reactions to uh, Project Spark 2. Uh, which is, spoiler alert, definitely getting revealed at E3. I want to hear your reactions to Project Spark 2 uh, Im- immediately. I can't, simply cannot wait. I need to know. Also, what did you think about that part where Phil Spencer ripped off his leather jacket he's always wearing, and then there was a Battletoad shirt underneath, and then you ripped that off, and there was a tattoo of Don Matrix on his chest, and then Don Matrix came out on stage and said, that's right, I'm taking Xbox back, and he had a Kinect 3.0 in his hands, and he was holding it like electric guitar, and like sticking his tongue out and wailing on it, like he was a fucking like member of KISS, the rock band, and everyone started screaming, and was like, yeah, 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 fuck Bethesda, and then the, the fireworks went off, and you said, wait a minute, I thought we couldn't do fireworks because of COVID. Fuck you, you're wrong. We did fireworks anyway. Indoor building, we did fireworks, but no, nothing caught on fire because we're, we're good like that. And, you know, I'll read that comment on air as well. Never know. So go ahead and leave your comments. Our first comment this week is kind of a little bit of an asterisk. Destiny 2 Rocks commented in. And here's the thing, Destiny 2 Rocks. This is a perfect example of my phone getting pinged with a notification saying, hey, Destiny 2 Rocks just left a comment on your podcast. And I said, oh, a new comment. Cool click and then I clicked on the comment and said deleted and I was like YouTube what the fuck are you talking about and YouTube just shadow deleted this 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 uh this this comment so what I did was I went back and it shows me the preview of the comment so I just screenshot it immediately so I could get as much of the comment as possible and then I click on the notification to expand it and see the entire message and again it's just like delete so I'm sorry, Destiny 2 Rocks. I appreciate you writing in. I see you're a first-time writer, uh, commenter, rather. Um, but YouTube decided to shadow ban your fucking comment, so I got the the I got the notification preview, so I can read as much of your comment as it showed, but I will not be able to capture the whole thing because YouTube hates Xbox. Yeah, you heard it here first, guys. They're trying to push you off of xCloud and into Google Stadia. So what are they doing? They're going around. They're finding all the Xbox podcasters, and they're shadow banning their commenters. So they'll get fed up and say, you know what? Fuck Jesse. Fuck this Xbox podcast. 
fuck all of Xbox. I'm tired of this shit. And then they'll be lost and confused. And they'll start looking around and be like, am I a PlayStation fan now? No, of course not. They don't have cloud gaming. Am I a Nintendo fan now? No, of course not. I don't want to play a re-release of Mario Kart 8 after 10 fucking years of it being on the market and still pay 60 bucks for it. Uh, oh, I'm a Google Stadia fan. And then they'll get Google Stadia. And they'll probably get it tattooed on their chest right over their old tattoo of Don Matrix holding a, a, a Kinect 3.0. And they'll get... And they'll get Google phones, they'll get a Pixel phone, and they'll get a second Pixel phone, and they'll go around to people with iPhones and start kicking them in the knees because they don't have Google, and they'll become diehard Google fans, and we cannot have that happen, you guys, so please, uh, well, there's no call to action, I can't really tell you, you guys didn't do anything, so, <laughs> Destiny 2 Rocks comments in and says, alright, Jesse, first time commenting, your first time commenter here, love the show. So the other day I was eating at this sub place called Witch Witch. Very good sub place. I noticed they have an exclusive Mountain Dew flavor cut off. That's where that's where YouTube cut you off. All right, Destiny Two Rocks. I assume the rest of the comment goes on to talk about how I have really nice hair and you're a huge fan of that one time I did a Mountain Dew review on my old YouTube channel. So thank you very much for that. I assume that's what you were talking. That's where you were going. But um, focusing on what we do have here from your comment. I'm very familiar. I'm very familiar with the sandwich sub, hoagie, craft specialty sandwich, whatever restaurant, which which I'm very familiar with it. I actually uh, I used to live like eight minutes down the road from one back in Georgia. So yeah, I've had I've had which which before. I know what you're talking about it's 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 decent. It's no Jersey Mike's, and if we're going if we're going for hot subs, it's no Firehouse. Okay, but it's it's good. You're right. Which which is a fine sandwich, and. I, I had to look up what you're talking about, and yes, you're right. There is a new Mountain Dew flavor um, at, at the Fountain Drink station at Witch Witch that's exclusive to them. It's called Mountain Dew Vibe. It's like a lemonade Mountain Dew flavor or whatever, and yeah, you got to go to a Witch Witch, and the weird thing about it is I'm pretty sure Witch Witch is one of those like regional restaurants. I don't think they're all over the country. I could be mistaken. They may have expanded enough by now, but they're not... That, that's not a restaurant that like everyone knows about. They're still a somewhat up and coming kind of chain restaurant. So it is a little surprising that PepsiCo would partner with them for an exclusive Mountain Dew flavor, considering it, it it's so limited in access. But then again, we're talking PepsiCo and Mountain Dew here. So if they're willing to let only a certain portion of the U.S. have access to our precious Mountain Dew whiteout, then I guess this shouldn't come as a surprise either. But yes, I've heard of this. I do follow the Mountain Dew Discord channel and Mountain Dew subreddit. So I do see people talking about this. And yeah, it looks good. Have you? I assume the comment maybe goes on to talk about how it tastes. I, please comment in again. Let us know. YouTube shadow banned you, so I don't really know what the rest of your comment says. But is it good? Is it worth? You know, I'll be in Georgia in a couple days. Maybe I'll have to make a trip down to Witch Witch. And, and actually, I don't even know. We might have Witch Witch here in Orlando. I don't even fucking know. I don't think I've ever looked for it. But uh, yes, please do let us know how it is. Thank you for writing in. And to the name of your, in, in, in speaking to your, your internet handle, your YouTube account name, yes, Destiny 2 does rock. Now, next up, we have an update from Sweaty Bandito. Uh, you may remember last week, Sweaty Bandito wrote in about how he couldn't get an Xbox Series X at launch, but he was able to get a Series S and then just recently was able to find a Series X and got it, Impulse bought it, Picked it up from from the post office or whatever it is you guys have in the UK and uh, brought it on home and said, I don't know what to do about this because my girlfriend can't find out. Hid the Xbox Series X and then wrote in to ask, guys, 
What do I do? Do I come clean? Do I return the Series X? How do I break the news to my girlfriend? So Sweaty Bandito, a handful of people did write in about this, and I want to read their comments because we got some feedback for you here. Hopefully this can help if you uh, if you haven't already uh, spoken to your girlfriend about it. Also, Sweaty Bandito, you, you didn't write in this week, so I assume your girlfriend found out you bought the Series X, was furious, and then murdered you? Because I know you would have responded after after last week. So I'm going to assume that's what happened just to play it safe. But please do write in and let us know. Because we're all talking about your, uh, your, your dilemma here. But you were nowhere to be found. So Strictly Gaming writes in about the subject and says, To the guy who wrote in about buying an Xbox Series X and didn't know how to tell his girlfriend he bought one. I bought an Xbox One X and told my partner it was an Xbox One S with black with a black cover around it. She's not into gaming, so she didn't have a clue. So maybe if your girlfriend doesn't know much about gaming, just swap them around and see. <laughs> and if she asks, you say you bought a new case for it. Winky emoji. Even maybe say it's bigger and got a disk drive built into the case. Crying laughing emoji, worth a shot. Strictly gaming, this is a little this is a little maniacal, because this is this is this is like a lie into a lie into a lie. Because first of all, what you don't address here is that if Sweaty Bandito does go ahead and decide to do this, well, what the hell does he do with the Xbox Series S? Does he have to get rid of it? Because, you know, let's say his girlfriend does buy that and she's cool with it or whatever. But then what does she do when she's like, wait a minute, I found your old Xbox here, but you said this is that Xbox with a new case on it. Explain yourself. So I will say that first of all. But, uh... I, I like the creativity and I applaud the effort here. I'm, that That's one possible situation. That's one possible solution, I should say. Uh, Sweaty Bandito, please do comment in in regards to Strictly Gaming's suggestion here. Please. We want to know that you're well and alive. Oh, Strictly Gaming also says, P.S. My partner still doesn't have a clue that it's an Xbox One X nearly three years later. So, hey, it worked for him. Uh, my brother writes in, Josiah, and says, Sweaty Bandito. You made the right choice of an Xbox. If she's the right choice of a girlfriend, she'll understand that. So, there's that. Plain and simple. Alright, everything is a mess. The next next, next comment. That's that's it for your feedback, Sweaty Bandito. I, th- I thought a few more people would maybe have some suggestions for that. But you know what? You're lucky you get what you get. So, let's. Uh, the rest of this week's comments are just going to be a hodgepodge. Because there didn't really seem to be too much of a coherent... Uh, set of themes like there generally is it just seems like a lot of you know various comments that are unrelated to one another so let's just jump right in and just read down the list in random order and see what happens here so hot toddy the guy who has a different name but refuses to tell me how it's pronounced writes in and says honestly i could not care less about the news i only listen to you because you are funny relatable caring about the audience and not afraid to give your painfully honest opinions other podcasts are so generic and emotionless Hot Toddy, I understand this is a very nice and heartfelt comment, and it is, it's very flattering, and I really do appreciate it, all sarcasm aside, but the fact of the matter is, you say you don't care about my podcast because of the news, and I just gotta know, how can I change your opinion? Listen, all seriousness, that is a very that is a very kind comment. I really do appreciate that. That, that. that does warm my heart, but I am noticing a reoccurring theme here, which is it seems like a lot of you guys don't give a shit about the news segment. Here's the thing is... This podcast can evolve and change. I'm open-minded to the idea of, like, removing the segment about new game releases of the week or going over games with gold, things like that. That can change. I'm, I'm open-minded to that. Introducing a new segment if we, come, if we come up with something fun enough. Totally okay with it. One thing that's not going to change, like, at, at least at, the, at this point right now, I have no plans of changing, 
is the news section. I have no plans of taking the news out of Xbox on, so I do really appreciate your comment because what you have to say and in the, in the, in the nice feedback you have here is is more meaningful to me than just saying like, oh, I like listening to the news. So thank you, Hot Tie. That's a really, really nice comment. And it does mean a lot to me. But at the same time, I'm like, I think we need to do something to spice up this news segment. Maybe we need to get a second person on board to help kind of spitball or ping pong ideas off of to help make the news more layered and interesting or or just some maybe I need to do something to you know make myself more interesting or have better commentary on the news so this is this is something I'm just starting to notice and and now you make me put it out there squall flips mad max who don't think I didn't notice you changed your profile pic comments in says have you ever had fondue if so what do you think of it any tips you can suggest I'm going to be taking my girl out to do that. Next month, I'm doing this. All right, Squall. So have I ever had fondue? I, I, I guess so. I've never gone to like Melting Pot or any of those like fondue restaurants, like where the whole theme of the restaurant is like fondue. Like, you know, you get the cheese course fondue and the dessert course with the chocolate fondue and all that. I've never done that. But like, I mean, if you go to like the fucking Golden Corral, I know they have the chocolate fountain fondue thing where you can you know, grab a marshmallow or whatever, put it on a stick and dip it through the fondue fountain. It's fun. It's it's a fun concept. I, fondue, it's, it's weird. Whenever I think about fondue restaurants in particular, to me, it's like the, um, it's like the Westerner version or like the, uh, I, this is going to sound kind of insulting, but I don't mean it that way because I think fondue is fun to do. And, but it, it like, it always reminds me of like, a gringo version of like Korean barbecue or something like that, where it's an involved meal where you have to like kind of prepare the food or put it together or whatever, you know, like a Korean barbecue where they bring the meat out and then you have the grill on the table and you're kind of responsible for cooking the meat and flipping it and watching it and getting it prepared. So I, I think of fondue in a similar fashion where I'm like, it's not just like someone serves you food and you eat it. There's this level of involvement where like you got to put in the work and regardless of whether or not you've even had that before, as someone who's had Korean barbecue a million times, like I can firmly say I can firmly say it is a lot of fun to eat in a restaurant like that so I think just the experience of having a kind of more actively involved dining experience will be a lot of fun and I think you and your girlfriend will enjoy that yeah I I don't have any serious like tips or suggestions but I will say this just go in like open-minded ready to kind of not know what you're doing and figure it out along the way I think that'll probably be the most fun and and squall let us know how it goes let us know if you and your girlfriend have a good time uh, how the food is and if it's a if it's a pl- if it's a chain restaurant, if it's a place that maybe other listeners of the show may have access to based on their geographical location, maybe clue us in as to uh, what this uh, super special restaurant is. You know, so there's that, Mister Miggy, Mister Miggy, oh Mister Miggy, how do, where do I even begin? All right, Mister Miggy writes in and says, I have a dilemma. My current TV I only bought two years ago, but this was before 120 hertz TVs were prevalent. I want to get 120 hertz TV for my Series X, but my current TV is perfectly fine. I'm really tempted to go with an OLED TV as well, even though they're expensive. Also, I'm surprised YouTube won't let you change your name. Uh, Mr. Miggy was the one who suggested this. Yep, I've changed my name previously. There are many YouTubers that do the same thing, blah, 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 blah. But if you don't want to do that, you could always be Mr. Jesse or Mr. DeRosa, unless I become famous, in which case Mr. will be kept to myself. All right, Mr. Miggy, thank you for writing in. With all due respect, as much as I love the Mista branding on you, I would never change my name to Mista Jesse or Mista DeRosa. It just simply, simply doesn't make sense. First of all, Mr. DeRosa is my father. I don't even like my first name. Why would I go by my first name if I don't have to? The internet is an opportunity to change your identity. So if you don't like your name, why the fuck would you go by your name? You ever think about that, Mr. Miggy? 
I bet you didn't. Goddamn fucking SpongeBob-looking motherfucker. And for those who don't know, of course, Mr. Miggy's profile pic is SpongeBob. All right, back to your dilemma. So this is a, this is an interesting one for me because unlike Sweaty Bandito's dilemma, this is one I can actually really relate to because I, I'm in a similar situation. So, and I, and at least you have a good excuse. So let me let me before I give you feedback, let me tell you where I'm at so that you you can kind of compare my feedback based on our similar situations. So. I bought a new TV last summer, just a few months before Series X came out, maybe four or five months before Series X came out. And it was because, you know, I, I was looking to buy a new TV before the Series X, you know, to upgrade around that time. And all I really knew was, of course, got to get a 4K TV. It's, it's time to upgrade to a 4K TV. I'm pretty loyal to Samsung TVs, and it just saves me the headache of having to really think about too many models and brands if I just narrow it down. So I'm just like, I know I'm going to stick with Samsung. I know I want a 4K TV. I haven't been super invested in the TV market in a while, so I had some learning and catching up. I was pretty happy with the TV I bought because one, it was the TV I had been looking at for a couple months. Amazon had it on sale and I was actually able to get a bigger version of that TV for less money than I was originally anticipating buying it for. So I kind of jumped on a little early. I was like, okay, I bought one of those Samsung QLED TVs. Now, I'm, I'm not obsessed to the point where I have to have an OLED. I understand OLED is like the end-all be-all, whatever, but I, I was pretty happy with the Samsung QLED, which is a really, which is a much more affordable way of getting into this kind of super ultra HD TV range. So I bought that TV because one, it was a QLED, QLED two, the price was right. Three, I knew, you know, Samsung, it's, it's a, it's a, like a mid range, mid model kind of Samsung TV, which means it's going to be a really, really good looking TV, not the absolute best on the market. But who gives a shit when you play it? You're going to be like, wow, games look beautiful. Who cares if I don't have the most expensive one that costs four times as much as this? So that was kind of my attitude about it. It was just like, I want a big TV that looks really good. Samsung brand, 4K. Those were my things. And then around that time, I started realizing 120 hertz was a thing. So this is where I got into your dilemma. So my stupid ass did minimal research and was like, oh man, this TV supports 120 hertz. I will buy this and it will work on my Xbox Series X. Boom. So I bought the TV, loving it. Everything's great. And then closer to the time the Series X comes out, we learn, nah, uh, uh You got to have a 120 hertz TV that supports HDMI, what is it, HDMI 2.1 so that you can do 4K and 120 hertz. And so what the situation I'm in is I have a relatively new TV that is 120 hertz and 4K, but not both because it's regular HDMI. So I can do I can do 1080p 120 hertz or I can do 4K 60. And more often than not I go for the in here and here's where me telling you my side of the story I think can help with you a little bit because as you know when Series X first came out I was playing a ton of Black Ops Cold War, which is a game that supports 120 hertz. So I kept switching between playing the game at 4K 60 and playing the game at 1080p 120 hertz because I want because I I, w- I was really trying to push the test of what matters more the, you know in, in Call of Duty is a super twitchy competitive game so obviously you would think if 120 hertz really matters there's no better game to test it out on than Call of Duty right because every second counts that perfect frame that perfect smooth motion really makes the difference in how you can play the game so I, I kept sw- for about the four months that I was really ho- three or three four months whatever that I was really hooked on Black Ops Cold War I continuously switched between the two and to my surprise I had full expectation that I was going to be a refresh rate over resolution guy to my surprise 
I've walked away from this whole experience going, I will take 4K60 over 1080p 120Hz. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is, of course it'd be awesome to have the top of the line TV, the one that does it all, 4K 120Hz, no compromises. Of course that'd be nice. But for me, what I found out was, I got this mid-range Samsung QLED TV for like 600 bucks on Amazon on sale, and it does 4K60 really well, and my Series X and my games look incredible on it, and I'm super happy with it. If it really, really mattered that much to me, I guess I could have spent like three times the fucking price at least and gotten a 120 hertz 4K TV. In my opinion, flipping between the 4K versus the 120 hertz all the time, having to compromise, in my opinion, I don't think that best of both worlds situation where you where you have both the 4K and the 120 hertz, I don't think it makes enough of a difference that right now you need to go out and drop like two to three grand on a fucking TV. I don't know where it's at now. Maybe now that's about a year old. Maybe you can get like a $1,500, $1,800 TV with both 4K 120. I don't know. But what I'm going to say to you is if money is a big factor here, if you're the kind of person who can, I don't want to say learn to settle, but just like, I don't know, be okay with not having all the latest and greatest best features and stuff all the time, then I think the 4K 60 will be just fine. Save yourself the money. But if you really just like, if it's going to eat you alive that you don't have the like the best top of the line stuff, then I would say try to hold on to your current TV for a little while longer. Maybe wait another 12 to 18 months and, and see how the pricing of these TVs comes down. So, I mean, that because that's, that's the thing about TVs, right? It's, you know, a TV comes out, it's three grand, it has all the latest and greatest tech, and then two years later, the TV is like $700, you know, because it's the technology becomes normalized. You see it in every model. It becomes more affordable, whatever. So I, I, that's my suggestion to you. The Xbox Series X is still going to yield you benefits regardless of which TV you're using. And then the Series X will just look even better in a few years when you get that 120 hertz TV once it's more affordable. Or you can go my route, which was unintentional, but it's, it's the route I'm on anyway. And, you know, just... Be like, hey, 60 FPS is fine. 4K is beautiful. Or get a TV similar to like what I have and be like, well, I can have 120 hertz when I want it, but that comes at the compromise of having to play in 1080p. So I don't know. It's the question of are you willing to make the compromise? So that's kind of up to you, but that's the situation I'm in. Hopefully that kind of experience can offer you a little more, I don't know, affirmation as to which decision is best for you. I I found myself thinking that 60 FPS, you know, while not as nice as 120, of course, is definitely good enough. I I guess I'll put it like this. The jump from 30 FPS to 60 FPS, and I think I've said this on the show before, but the jump from 30 to 60 FPS is a necessary one. Once you go to 60 FPS, 30 looks like shit and you can never go back, right? The jump from 60 FPS to 120, uh, or sorry, yeah, like 120 hertz, 120 FPS, whatever, that's when you get into the diminishing returns kind of, that's not diminishing returns, but that's when you kind of get close to diminishing returns where it's like, yes, there's an improvement here, but at what cost? Is it really worth all the extra money? Because the jump from 60 to 120 is not nearly as massive, and I don't think it's nearly going to make or break the experience as much as that jump from 30 to 60 does. So that was my takeaway. And 4K, you know, when I don't, when I do 60 FPS instead of 120, you know, I get 
I get ray tracing, I get 4K, and the game looks beautiful. In the 60 FPS, I don't mind at all. So to me, again, I as I was telling someone the other day, I, I don't see myself as like a... I, I know this is kind of ironic because I'm into Xbox, and Xbox is the console brand all about power and being the most beefy and powerful and technically advanced. But I, I, don't, I don't really see myself... As much as I love tech and I love following consumer tech and things like that, I'm not always the latest and greatest, most powerful guy. Like, to me... I'm willing to take compromises. Like, you know, I have a fucking phone from 2020 that doesn't have NFC capabilities. Like, I'm okay with compromise as long as I'm happy with the thing. So if you find that that middle ground of, like, perfect value, you know, perfect amount of features for the money, go with that. Or if you find something where it's like you, you're a fan or you love the design of it or whatever else enough that it's it's good enough for you and you don't feel like you need to spend top dollar for the best of the best, go with that, man. I mean... God, look at the cell phone market for God's sake. You can spend $1,500 on a $1,500 on a phone that's like technically a masterpiece and just so incredibly boring from top to bottom because it's so uninspired at this point. Or you can spend like $500, $600 on a phone that has a lot of compromises but is really quirky and has its own personality. So I don't know. It's it's kind of how it is with with TVs to an extent where it's like just make a compromise if you can if you can live that way. If not, whatever. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Mr. Miggy, you're out of here. You got in too much screen time. Mojo, what do you got to say for us? Mojo says, for new podcast names, how about OG Xbox Podcast? Or maybe the uh, Eating and Gaming Xbox Podcast? Or my personal favorite, the X-Boners Xbox Podcast? And finally, how about Jesse D's Nuts DeRosa Podcast? A little aggressive, I know, but it works. Damn it, Mojo, you have been promoted to Executive Naming Officer. While I am definitely not going with any of these names... I do appreciate them, and I appreciate your creativity, and therefore you have earned the promotion of executive names producer and editor of podcast naming conventions and etc. Uh, I will say though, I'm not looking to rename Xbox On. So, in all fairness, uh, Xbox On is not a great name for a podcast by any means, but I'm I'm happy with it. I'm totally fine with it, and I'm keeping it. So, Xbox On will remain Xbox On in name. It's, I'm talking about changing my twi- my my Twitter handle, my YouTube account name. So that's the stuff that needs to change. And I and I will say this: I I would not consider it naming it something very specific to Xbox on because I would like to keep the door open for other kinds of content. So can it be gaming related? Absolutely. Can it be Xbox related? Absolutely. But I don't want my YouTube channel to be named after something that is specifically for Xbox on because someday on YouTube, I like to think. I'm going to get around to doing other things, posting other kinds of videos and things like that. So it won't always be just Xbox on, or that's my hope. And then Wes H writes in and says, Wow, always thought second best gaming was sarcasm towards mainstream media, always saying PlayStation is better. Learn something new every day. In regards to what I suggest for a new name, FDX Food, you know, Food, Disney, Xbox, FDX, listen in order of importance, of course. Also, crinkle cut fries are hit or miss. Not every crinkle cut fry is the same. The fact that you totally dismiss crinkle cut fries uh, because of your limited experience with them makes me question everything you've ever said on the podcast. Idiot. All right, Wes, let's, let's address these all in reverse order. So starting with the last thing here, how dare you insinuate that I've had limited experience with crinkle cut fries. Now, I don't know if that's something I said last week. Maybe it is. But whether or not this is true, I take that back. Because I have extensive experience with crinkle cut fries. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and say I've had as many crinkle cut fries as I've had 
regular french fries or waffle fries. Of course not. I'm a man of great taste. But the crinkle cut fry is something I am no stranger to. So to insinuate that I've had it here or there once or twice and I'm done with it is simply asinine. Okay? I've had the crinkle cut fry many a times. And at many locales around the southeast United States. So I must say to you, kindly, shut the fuck up. No, but in all seriousness, Wes, I, I've had I've had my fair share of crinkle cut fries, and I know that they are not good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wes. You say they're hit or miss, and I'll take that. I, if, if I can live in a world where there's a, a crinkle cut fry or two that you like, but you got to at least agree with me on this. If you look at a menu and you see that the fries are crinkle cut, you are instantly less excited about the fries than you would be if they were regular french fries just a fact you're instantly less enthused about it doesn't mean they're gonna suck it just means your interest your interest in that french fry is significantly less so because now you're now you're setting your expectations for the fry that usually disappoints not for the good old standard regular mcdonald's style fry so Suck on that. Now, in regards to your name suggestion for my name suggestion, I love this FDX. I could be I could be F, FDX Gaming. FDX. It had to be FDX something. You know, Food Disney Game. Food Disney Xbox. FDX. It sounds so badass. It sounds like Disney XD or or something like that. You know. So I I, I do love the the name Wes. Thank you very much. Um, or maybe FDX Box would be a good name. You know, Food Disney Xbox. Ooh. God damn, Wes, I like that name a lot. It could be, instead of FDX, it could be FDX Box. So it makes it very clear that this is a channel about Xbox. And then people will be like, oh, what's the FD stand for? I'll be like, you fucking moron. It stands for, it, st- it stands for, for, for foodie, for Disney food, you fucking crinkle cut motherfucker. All right, that, so that's a good one, Wes. I'm, I'm going to put a pin in that. Even though you are not the executive names editor like Mojo is, I am going to swipe that idea. J- just like how crinkle cut fries disappoint your palate, I'm going to disappoint your proper credits for what you've come up with here and just take that from you. So no one heard that. Now, lastly, I, I just like that you thought Second Best Gaming was a sarcastic name towards mainstream media because it almost makes me wish that that was the intent of calling my channel Second Best Gaming because it, it is kind of funny to think <laughs> that I, 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 I potentially named my channel Second Best Gaming because it's about Xbox and games media and just people in general tend to think of Xbox as the thing that's second to PlayStation. So that, that's that's fun. That's a cooler excuse for the name than anything I would have ever had, but... I've got to be honest with you, that's not that's not why it's called that. Count Scotula, you guys know I don't pick favorites, but Count Scotula's up there. So, why don't you try to be more like him? Count Scotula writes in and says, For years I've been telling myself that I would get a YouTube channel up and running. Once I finally get around to sitting down to put something together, I immediately realize I'm regurgitating something that's already been said or done. That this is way more work than I'm ready to commit to, and I'll just toss in the garbage. Not much of a point to this comment other than I fully understand the grind and difficulty behind doing a regular podcast and appreciate what you've created here. At this point, Halo is... This is a second point. At this point, all I can think about is Halo. You probably already talked about this and I missed it, but do we get the multiplayer beta announced at E3? Is it a shadow drop? Is it months out? Is it for insiders only or do you think it's open to everyone? I think we do. I think they push it out a month or so, and I would guess that they open it to everyone, but they're really pushing the insider sign-up, so I'm torn. All right, Count Skyla, two comments here. I want to address them both because, I mean, not to say you're my favorite, you're not, but uh, you're my favorite. 
you know? First of all, just to your first kind of anecdotal point, I can totally relate to that. I, I felt that many times before. There were there were a, a few years ago. There was a time where I was I was pretty regularly trying to make creative YouTube videos, and it was just so disheartening because I would put I'd pour like 30, 40 hours into some of these videos. It like it was just painstaking amounts of writing script, editing script, getting photos and gameplay footage, putting it all together, recording it, editing it, uploading it, trying to hit it at the right time, trying to find places to share and ways to get it out there and get people to notice it. And God damn, like I put some serious effort into some of those videos and I go back and watch them now. They're still up on my channel. I go back and watch some of them now and they're not very good. They're, they're really not, but I still admire them for, you know, the amount of work I put into them nonetheless. And I, I got to tell you, those th those couple years of doing that really helped me gain, you know, I always had appreciation for what YouTubers do because I know it's harder than it looks, but man, I really truly gained an appreciation for what some of these guys, some of, the, some of these people are out here doing because it is not easy and it is, I mean, you got to really, really love making content to, to be an actual YouTuber because it is most definitely an exhausting full-time strenuous job for sure. But, uh, you know, Count Skyla, I, uh, I, I can totally, I can totally relate to what you're saying. And hopefully if this is something you truly care about. I hope one day you're able to find a way to approach this in a way that makes sense for you, fits your schedule, fits your time and, um, allows you to be creative in a way you feel is unique and original. Now as for Halo, now as for Halo, I don't, I don't think we did talk about this. So let's talk about it now, Count Skyla. Yes. So the strong rumor is that at E3, they'll announce the infinite. That obviously will show Halo Infinite, but the rumor is they'll sh they'll announce a infinite multiplayer beta and drop it then there. They'll be like, Halo Infinite's multiplayer beta will begin after this show concludes today, and everyone will be like, Oh my fucking god, I can play Halo Infinite multiplayer right now. So that that's th that's been the rumor, right? Maybe this is simply for the reason that I will be stuck at my parents' house visiting on Sunday without an Xbox, and if they announce a multiplayer beta and I'm not available to play it immediately, I will actually cry. Maybe So maybe this is coming from that place in my heart, but I truly do not believe they're going to shadow drop it. I think we will see another gameplay look and then an extensive multiplayer look. Basically, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be a campaign look to just like a quick, maybe four or five minute look at the campaign just to show us, hey, the game looks a lot better than it did last year. Don't meme us again. And then they'll show an extensive 10 minute deep dive into the multiplayer to be like, here's Halo Infinite multiplayer. Get hyped. And then I think at the end of that, they'll be like, Halo Infinite will launch on November 20th, November 22nd, whatever date it is, blah, 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 pre-order, whatever. And the multiplayer beta goes live in just a few short, it'll be days or weeks. I, th I think... I could see it going live anywhere from, let's pull up a calendar. This is fun to, to guess. So I think it could go live as early as Friday, June 18th, which will be less than a week from when it from when that event happens. So Friday, June 18th to maybe July, somewhere around July 9th or 16th. So I think somewhere in that time frame is when the beta will go live. So they'll I think they'll give you some breathing room. They'll try to have some room to be like, Get ready, like go buy an Xbox, go download this, go become an insider, whatever. And I think what they might do is like an insider period first. Where like insiders can play it, you know, for the first three days before general public has access to it. And that's simply being for a way to one, 
increase the number of insiders so they can get feedback on the game, but two, to kind of stress test the servers before they let the general public on, which is, of course, to also stress test the servers so they can kind of gradually add on and, and, and mix and mess around and play with, you know, everything there and make sure it's running and, and optimized quite well. So that's my guess. I've been purviewed to nothing. So I have no clue how potentially right or wrong that is. That is simply just gut feeling. But that's that's my guess um, is that that's what they'll do. But I do think there will be a multiplayer beta because if you'll remember very long time ago, they did say we would get one and then they went whisper quiet on it. I think they need to have a multiplayer beta. And this isn't this isn't a this is so critical because Halo cannot fail this time. Right. We, we need Halo to work this time. And 343... So just the simple fact that Master Chief Collection was one of the biggest fuck-ups in gaming history as far as launches go, they cannot afford to have anything like that even remotely close happen with Infinite. So it is so crucial. And I don't think there's any way, any chance in hell they could possibly have a launch even half as bad as Master Chief Collection because what they're doing is just not as difficult. It's not like they're trying to run a bunch of game engines and different games all into one multiplayer suite all at once. So I just think inherently it's destined to be better in that regard, but they cannot afford for Halo Infinite's launch and multiplayer experience to go off at launch without in any way less than very, very well. It has to be right. So that's number one for why they got to do the multiplayer beta. I think the second reason is they really need to instill hope in their biggest fan base and the most, in the most passionate and loud part of the Halo fan base that yes, Halo Infinite is a return to form in the multiplayer department. Halo Infinite, from a multiplayer perspective, is going to give you back the Halo you were looking for when you played Halo 2, when you played Halo 3. This is not that faster pace, loadout style Halo 4 multiplayer, which I love, but let's be honest, is a huge departure from the regular Halo multiplayer. And this is not a more Twitch-based, uh, multifunction, esports-like, technical Halo multiplayer akin to like Halo 5, which again, I think Halo 5's multiplayer is a fucking masterpiece. Here we are. The whole world hates on Halo 5. I know. I know. Put the campaign aside for a second and try to tell me that multiplayer is anything shy of excellent. It's fucking great. But okay. They have to try really, really hard to make sure that they don't leave people with that Halo 4 or that Halo 5 taste in their mouth. They need people to understand that we are going back to the Halo you love in the ways that are most important. And I think multiplayer is really one of those things. They want to go back to saying, hey, everyone's going to start with nothing from the same thing. Power weapons are going to spawn into the map. The gameplay is going to be about controlling power weapons. We're taking out the boost. I would not be surprised if what they do is during arena multiplayer, there is no sprint. But if you play like the the firefight mode or the warzone mode or the battle royale mode or whatever big team multiplayer equivalent they have, that's where you can sprint multiplayer. I will not be surprised if that's the if that's how it works. Although I think we know sprint will be in it uh, because some of the concept art or screenshots they already shown. I don't know. The point being, I think it's really 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 important to Microsoft and to 343 that they get Halo Infinite right, not just from a you know Halo's the biggest brand. Blah, 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 this, that. People didn't like Halo 5's campaign. But from a multiplayer perspective where people want... They want Halo to be the multiplayer juggernaut that it once was. That's why the multiplayer is going to be free-to-play. That's why you don't have to buy Halo Infinite to play its multiplayer. Is because they want Halo to be as relevant as it once was. And this is all part of that. So are they going to do a beta? 
I don't see how they can get away with not doing a beta, to be honest. But I, I shouldn't get so into this conversation because this news is going to be incredibly outdated in just a couple short hours, a couple short days. So let's not dwell on that any longer. Guys, let's wrap up with a couple quick comments. It's a very, very slow news week, so that's why I'm allowing myself to really indulge in the comments here. As you can imagine, this is the calm before the storm, so clearly we're going to have tons of tons of news next week. Uh, in fact, we'll probably have to go light on the comments next week just because of all the E3 stuff there will be to talk about. Next week's episode is likely going to be an extravaganza monster mega piece of, a, of an episode. It may be a two-and-a-half-hour episode, two episode of Xbox On. So if that's something that kind of strikes your fancy, you might want to go ahead and have a second pair of, of underwear at the ready. So Chicago Gamer 420 says, At OG Man, my first job was at Culver's too. I worked at my local Culver's through high school and even my first summer back from college. That's why I wanted to get Jesse's thoughts. I spent enough time there that I should be grossed out by the food, but nope. Wisconsin's crown jewel has only improved over time. I've had every thing on the menu six years later and i still visit my old culvers true blue crew for life spelt with a y l y f e god damn chicago gamer 420 god you got some you bleed blue for a culvers and that hey that's respectable i understand i i had my first job for public supermarket back when i was 14 years old and i've always had a soft spot in my heart for Publix ever since because that's where i got my feet wet dude yeah i small world though i just i had to read that because i think it's so funny that we just have so many ex-Culver's employees listening to this podcast. So I, I always thought, you know, I think what makes X, this is what I always tell people, you know, in real life when we talk about the show. I think what works about Xbox on is when you think about like the hardcore Xbox gamers and the kind of association of like gamers and junk food and gaming and all that, there's a Venn diagram and it works, right? So like, what are the odds someone's like, oh, I love Xbox. I also really like cracking open an ice cold Mountain Dew and chewing on some Taco Bell chalupas. It's like, okay, it's not like that crazy to think that if you put like the fast food fanatic and the video game fanatic circles together, that Venn diagram shows an overlap somewhere, somewhere in the cross between Xbox Game Pass and Naked Chicken Chalupa, you know? So it's, it's not like that crazy. So I think that's one thing that kind of makes sense that it works so well in this podcast. However, what I did not see coming was that there was some Venn diagram overlap voodoo magic here between people who really love Xbox and people who used to work at Culver's when they were in college. And that's that's the part that's astonishing to me is is, is all these people coming out of the woodworks to be like, hello, neighbor, I, uh, I also worked at, because you're all Canadian, apparently. I also worked, even though your name's Chicago Gamer, I also worked at Culver's back in the day, eh? And then, you know, you wipe your hands with your maple syrup and all that good shit. OG man, speaking of the devil, writes in and says, Jesse... Have you been to Toy Story World? My sister just went to Disney like last month and even bought my daughter a Lotso stuffed bear. She said every she said it's everything we dreamed of as, as kids growing up, loving Toy Story. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Keep up the good work. OG man. Oh, OG man. <laughs> I I feel like this is I need to approach this delicately. And I I have I know there's one I know I have one friend out in the audience who knows exactly where this is going. My shout out to Hunter cuz if you're listening right now, I I know you know where this is going. So, how, God, this is going to sound so pretentious. OG Man, I love you. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for supporting the show. You're an awesome guy, and I'm sure your sister is an awesome person. How could she not be? She's related to you, the OG Man. So, with all that out of the way, I love Disney. I love theme parks. I am, to an extent, something that Disney fans or that theme park, the theme park community might consider a quote-unquote pixie duster, 
which is someone who is just so blindly positive about Disney all the time and just so like, oh, isn't everything so magical? Isn't Disney so magical? I love everything. And is willing to sometimes overlook things like, uh, it is pretty expensive, isn't it? Or like, uh, it is pretty ridiculous that like they price out, you know, regular families from being able to go to Disney World. Or like, uh, it is kind of ridiculous that like nowadays Disney is a lot less adventurous and creative and daring than they used to be. Meanwhile, up the road, you got Universal who's like pouring money, so much money into their theme parks while Disney's upping prices and kind of being stagnant and boring with their parks. So there, when it comes to Disney, unlike Xbox, unlike video games, Nine times out of ten, I try to remove myself from the controversy, remove myself from the negativity, and just steep myself in the positivity. Because Disney is something I don't work in. It's something I never want to work in. It is my happy thing. It is my happy place. It's my happy thought. I like to go to Disney and just have a magical experience and just eat yummy food and be submersed in like awesome sci-fi space theming and go to Tomorrowland or go to Epcot and learn something cool. I love that shit more than anything. That long preface is to say... Trust me, what I'm about to say is not easy to say, but I think Toy Story, it's it's Toy Story, uh, the, the it, it's at Disney's Hollywood Studios. It's, it's one of their four theme parks at Walt Disney World. It's an entire land dedicated to Toy Story. It's called Toy Story Land, and it's like themed to Andy's backyard. It's like the theme of the land. I think Toy Story Land is painfully cheap and uninspired and really, really underwhelming, if I'm just being honest. Now, I... That's not to say there's nothing to enjoy. Listen, if if you're like, you know, I'm from Atlanta. The only theme park we have around is Six Flags Over Georgia. I love Six Flags Over Georgia. It's a fun park. I grew up going there. I had a great time. Six Flags Over Georgia is a cheap budget park. It's about fun roller coasters and cheap thrills. It's not about beautiful, immersive theming that pulls you into another world. That's what separates places like Six Flags from Disney, right? Disney is not about crazy over-the-top roller coasters and thrills. It's about transporting you to a different world and truly bringing you into a place you've never been before and allowing you to live out a new adventure and experience somewhere else. That's why I love Disney. That's why we love gaming, right? It brings you to someplace new and allows you to be a part of that world, right? Toy Story Land feels like Disney did a Six Flags. It's like cardboard cutouts and cheap theming and no sun and like they budget cut the gift shop. They're so cheap that they budget cut the gift shops out of that land, which basically means you know, gift shops, the reason, the ways in which theme parks make money are, are the thing they took out of the budget for this land because they just wanted to build a Toy Story land on the cheap. So it's it's not a horrible land, okay? It has the Toy Story Mania, Mania attraction, which is the like video game-like dark ride shooting game, shooting gallery game. It's so much fun. It's a really great attraction. It's actually been there for a while, but they've now lumped it into Toy Story Land. It's a cool ride. It's It's actually a great ride. Okay, so there's that. Then there's the Alien Swirling Saucer Ride. It's a really cheap fairgrounds kiddie ride. It's it's fun, but it's it's especially fun at night with all the lights and everything, but it's not going to blow you away. And then there's the what they consider to be the piece de resistance, which is the Slinky Dog Roller Coaster, which is such a cool idea for a coaster, but it's a uh, it's it's just fine. It is just fine. It is a kiddie, family-friendly mind train launch coaster type thing. And it is just fine. Here, here's my thing. If you are a diehard Toy Story fan, you may be impressed just with the simple fact that, hey, it's a whole land themed to Toy Story. Nowhere else in the world can I go and be immersed in the world of Toy Story. So that alone mer- warrants, you know, thinking this place is cool or giving it a try. I get that. But compared to what Disney's done in the past, 
you know, compared to some of the other things they built, like the Star Wars land that's right next to it, or the Avatar world that's over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, or just some of the other theming they've done, like Tomorrowland at Magic Kingdom, or Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom, or just the, the Tower of Terror attraction at Hollywood Studios. Compared to the bar that Disney has set in the past for theming and immersiveness and storytelling, I don't think Toy Story Land lives up to that expectation. I think it feels very cheap. It feels very incoherent. And the it, it's only been there a few years and it's already aged horribly. The place already looks like it's 40 years old. It's it's not, in my opinion, it's not great. But at the same time, I think a lot of, I don't know. It's like Call of Duty, right? It's like maybe it seems a little cheap or tired or contrived to a lot of us gamers because we're like, oh, it's the same thing. We've seen this before. But, you know, to like the hardcore, you might be like, oh, that's a, that's it. And that's kind of my takeaway from that land. Now, I don't want that to deter you from ever wanting to go there. I think the rides are still fun. Uh, The little quick service restaurant they have there, it's called Woody's Lunchbox. Not a great concept for a restaurant, but they have a pulled pork, not a pulled pork. They have a beef brisket. It's like a grilled cheese beef brisket sandwich. Fucking amazing. I, I will say that is my favorite part of the land is if you go over to the Woody's Lunchbox restaurant and you order the the brisket sandwich. It's like Texas toast with melty cheese and brisket and pickles and shit. That that sandwich is phenomenal. I will say that's the best part of Toy Story Land. It's not very Toy Story in theme, but delicious sandwich nonetheless. So I'm sorry if my honesty has hurt you in any way or deterred you from wanting to go there. I strongly encourage you to make it out to Toy Story if Toy Story Land if you are a big Toy Story fan. Listen, and, and you have a daughter, seemingly a young daughter. I, I think she'll enjoy it. I think it's a great land for kids. I think kids will easily love it. And if you are a diehard or a really big Toy Story fan, I think you'll find enough to appreciate. Listen, I'm a massive fan of of Sonic the Hedgehog. And, you know, my dream is to go to Joyopolis in Japan, which is like the Sega Arcade. That is by no means like a well-themed, fancy Sonic the Hedgehog theme park. It's very, it's very cheap. It's very generic. And it's just like signs and posters of Sonic the Hedgehog. Not very impressive at all. But listen, if I ever go to Japan, you best believe I'm going to go out of my way to see Joyopolis because it's something and I love Sonic the Hedgehog. So by that metric, you know, it's worth it. Just because you're such a fan and something you love so much, I think you'll be able to get more value. I I must say, I do like Toy Story a lot. It is not even close to my favorite Pixar movie. So I, I will say, if that plays any role in it, I'm already like predisposed to not be crazy about Toy Story. So, you know, there's that. I'm more of a Cars guy myself, you know? Give me Lightning McQueen any day. So, OG Man, thank you for writing in with that. Please let us know if you ever do decide to go. I would I would love to hear your report and your thoughts on that land. If you ever, if, if you and your daughter go and experience it for yourselves, that'd be awesome. Lethal Migraine. I didn't think we weren't going to have Lethal Migraine in here. As we get into our, our very last few comments, Lethal Migraine jumps in and says, actually, we're going to start rapid firing. He says, almost all of Matrix's vision for Xbox has been fulfilled, and it's a part of current day Xbox. I have no idea why he gets so much undeserved shit. Well, Lethal Migraine, he gets so much shit because it's funny. That's why. No one's actually mad at the man. It's just fun to make fun of him. He's a fun scapegoat. Let it be. Objects in Space says, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love KFC, but here in Australia, we are very limited when it comes to fried chicken options. I once tried Popeyes when I was traveling and enjoyed it so much that I went back there for lunch three days in a row. It's probably because it was new and exciting, but I do remember it being better than KFC. Thoughts? Also, really looking forward to seeing E3, Halo at E3. If it's anything like Halo 4, which I thought had a great story, gameplay and graphics, it will be incredible. Halo 5 just didn't hit the mark. 
objects in space. I'm so tired of talking about Halo 5, I'm just going to disregard that comment there and let you have your opinion, because that's fair. But I agree, Halo 4 is a visually stunning... I was actually thinking about that today. When you think about... I know 343 and Bungie are different developers, but when you think about how bad Halo 3 looks on Xbox 360 by 2021 standards, and how amazing Halo 4 looks on Xbox 360 even by 2021 standards, it is amazing how much range... Uh, developers were able to get out of the Xbox 360. It, it, I mean, obviously, it was around for like eight years. It was a long console generation, but fuck me, man. It is insane how all in one in one console cycle, without changing the hardware, various developers were able to get so much improvement and mileage out of a single franchise on one hardware. I, I mean, you might say 343 versus Bungie, that's not fair, but hey, Halo 3 to Halo Reach, even that jump, amazing, night and day difference, so, so good looking, but yeah, Halo 4 is just one of the most stunning games, especially for its time, but more importantly, let's not beat around the bush, Objects in Space, you are not mistaken, for Popeyes is definitely better than KFC, listen, no disrespect to KFC, there's a time and place, I think it's a fine restaurant, I do not dislike KFC, I don't have beef with KFC, I'm not going to sit here and treat them like the crinkle cut fry of fried chicken restaurants, because that's not the case, I, I what I like about KFC in particular is I think their their seasoning and the, for their chicken and everything is very is very they are to fried chicken what McDonald's is to burgers where it's like the flavor is so distinctively unique that it's like KFC chicken tastes like KFC chicken and that's that you know and I appreciate that I appreciate having your own authentic original flavor that being said Popeye's chicken is just way better it's so much juicier you get oh their dark meat is so fucking good the chicken is higher quality for sure you get that blackened ranch holy fuck dude the blackened ranch at, at, at Popeye's is what dreams are made of I swear to god go to go to fucking make a wish and, and and give all those kids some blackened ranch and they will be they'll be happy campers and it's just because god damn that sauce is just so good to put inside you now I will say Popeye's they have awful dirty rice and awful biscuits and awful mac and cheese, although they only sell the mac and cheese in some markets, weirdly enough. But man, their fried chicken's so good. Those fried chicken sandwiches are so, so good. They're not overhyped at all. Like, I, honestly, they are in some cases, in some, depending on the mood, better than Chick-fil-A. It's just, goddamn, dude, Popeye's for life. Objects in space, you're not mistaken. You just have great taste. That's all there is to it. Now, my mom writes in and says, Dead Captain James is absolutely correct. Peanut M&Ms are an elite M&M brand. Whatever. Dead Captain James, speaking of the devil, says, Finally picked up Resident Evil Village on sale for PC. It's pretty solid so far. My friends and I have been... Have also been... Have been diving into Deep Rock Galaxy, and it's hitting co-op gem... And it's a hitting co-op gem. Far Cry 6 and Dying Light 2 are my most anticipated games of 2021 for sure. I personally love Far Cry 5, but your criticisms are totally valid. Far Cry is just comfort food for me, lol. P.S. Curly fries are the best fries, with waffle fries a close second. Alright, I know we're rapid firing right now, but we gotta slow down a second for Dead Captain James here, because Resident Evil Village, first of all, glad to see you're enjoying that. You got it on sale, that's interesting. I need, I'm, I'm trying to get it on sale as well. I don't want to pay 60 bucks for that game, because I know it's gonna be 8 hours and I'll never touch it again. Deep Rock Galactic is a game I've heard of, but I, I don't... I can't picture what it is. I know I've heard that name, though. I need to look into that. Listen, Dead Captain James, I'm glad you're excited for Dying Light and Far Cry 6. I think they both look like pretty solid games. I, I don't mean to come off as, like, I hate Far Cry or anything. That's that's not what I mean. Like, I, I'm still going to play Far Cry 6, definitely. And I'm definitely going to play Dying Light 2 at some point. I just don't know. I guess I'll probably play at least Dying Light 2 at, at launch. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a busy time of year. 
we got we got a busy fall schedule launch lineup of games. So first of all, there's that. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't mean to come off so so harsh on Far Cry last week as as if to suggest that I think it's a bad franchise or I'm not going to play it. I'm definitely going to play Far Cry 6, but yeah, I mean, I actually agree exactly with what you say here, where you say Far Cry is just comfort food for me. No, I, I, I think that's the perfect way to put it, and I, and I agree completely. Far Cry is comfort food gaming. It's not... At this point, it's not break the mold. They they kind of just rehash the same shit, and that's that's fine in the sense that Far Cry is one of those things where there's a lot of content to it. You know, it's a lot of value for what you're getting, and you know, it's a lot of fun quality gameplay. Like it's not like it's not at this point. It's almost like Far Cry is not meant to break the mold and 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 light your your brain on fire with all these new ideas and in concepts and in gameplay innovations. I get that. At this point it's just like another Far Cry because it's fun. It's a fun way to shut your brain off and have a good time in a video game. I totally agree with that. I just wish they didn't give up so much on the on the characters which is so much of what made the game great to me. Although they definitely still care about the villain aspect which is pretty cool. But uh as for curly fries, dude, you're right. Dead Captain James curly fries are awesome. Waffle fries are also pretty good, but I will say, I think curly fries are definitely better than waffle fries, like you suggest. I definitely think regular fries are the best, but curly fries, Arby's curly fries, y'all be sleeping on that. I know people hate, I know it's cool to hate Arby's, but dude, their curly fries are so good. Now, Hot Toddy, jumping in here for a second time, says, I put ketchup on my eggs. All right, Sarugi, ban this, man. Python Coder 255 says, who was it that made that end music again? Last week, uh, Python Coder, we had uh, my friend Eric play us out. He is BB Murder Case on YouTube and SoundCloud. You can look him up. He is the lo-fi hip-hop beats music that you hear at the end of the show sometimes. That's my buddy Eric, BB Murder Case. Look him up. Uh, the other one, when you hear the awesome uh, emo music, whatever you want to call it, that's Count Scotula's old band, Corble, from back in the day, so... That's that's that, and hopefully today we'll be having some new music to share with you, but more on that later. And then, finally, our very last comment. I just want to run through this because it is laughably incorrect. Lethal Migraine says, What a tragic fast food opinion. Everything at Panera is great. McDonald's is utter trash and deserves to go out of business. There isn't a single decent item on their menu. The world would be better off with the demise of McDonald's. Now, this fall, when Raising Cane's opens in my area, I will eat there before and after work every single day. Lethal Migraine, let me ask you this. Look at me with a straight fucking face right now. Obviously, this is a recorded podcast, so look at look at your phone or your computer or whatever device you're using to listen to this podcast. Look at it. Look at that screen as if it is me. Look me in the eyes right now and tell me the McFlurry is a utter is a is a utter trash menu item. Listen. We can decide here, you think the chicken's bad at McDonald's. You think the burgers are bad at McDonald's. You think the fries are overrated. Whatever. Let's let you have your opinions. Tell me the McFlurry is a bad menu item. It is just soft serve ice cream, very good soft serve ice cream, with M&Ms or Oreos or whatever mixed into it, which are pre-made name brand treats that McDonald's has no impact on the flavor of. So you tell me now that a McFlurry, because you say Everything on the menu is trash. So tell me right now with a straight face that the McFlurry is a trash item. Fucking dare you. Also, suck a dick, Panera. You're overpriced, and I could just make your food at home. Now that's going to do it for all of our comments, shoutouts, and whatnot this week. Guys, remember, for next week, don't be shy. Reply. Now let's jump into what I've been playing. Before I can tell you about what I've been playing, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. And guys, this is a story about last night. So this week, I've been trying to 
one meal a day or intermittent fast. So I've not been bringing lunch to work. What I do is I just all day, I can only have coffee and water, coffee and water all day. That's all I'm allowed to have. And then when I come home, I can pig out like a fat bitch. And that's, that's me. I'm the fat bitch. What I did yesterday, well, I said, I said, girlfriend person, what would you like to consume tonight for dinner? And she said, to my surprise, because my girlfriend's never the one who wants this kind of trash food. This is me. She goes, I want Sam's Club pizza. And of course, I replied with some heart emojis and said, I knew you were the one for me. So after work last night, on my way home, I stopped by Sam's Club, you know, the club. And I wait in line for their food court. And I pick up a pizza from Sam's Club, like a Costco pizza, that kind of thing. Bring that bitch home. Oh my God, you guys. Sam's Club pizza. Oh, I cannot believe I'm about to say this. Nothing will ever replace shitty Disney pizza that they got rid of a couple years back. Nothing will ever replace that in my heart. But I must say, in the battle ranking of shitty pizza that's so good, I gotta say, Sam's Club pizza it's up there, man. It's fucking up there. It is at least top five. At the very least, it's top five, maybe top three. It's so goddamn good. I love Sam's Club Pizza. If you have access to Sam's Club, you don't need a membership to go in and eat at their food court. So I do highly recommend you stop by your Sam's Club and try out a Sam's Club Pizza. Also, they have an exclusive Mountain Dew flavor. Uh, what's it called? It's um, it's like Berry Monsoon. Very good flavor of Mountain Dew. So you pair an exclusive flavor of Mountain Dew with an excellent Sam's Club pizza, you're on cloud nine. Just saying. So that's what I've been eating this week. And then as for what I've been playing, I, I had a weird weekend. I, I decided to dedicate my weekend to catching up on some bullshit. So I've been trying to jump into Batman Arkham Asylum because I recently bought the back Batman Arkham Collection on sale on an Xbox sale like for nothing. It cost like nothing. So I was like, fuck it. So I downloaded it. I know people love the Batman games, especially Arkham Asylum. And I remember playing the demo for it back in 2009 when it came out on 360. And I remember thinking, hey, this is actually a pretty good game. So I was like, hey, I know I'm not a crazy Batman fan, but these are considered to be very good games. And I just feel like I'm missing something of the Xbox zeitgeist by not having experienced these games. And I like third-person action games, so like, why wouldn't I like this game? So I booted up Arkham Asylum, fully expecting, like, this is going to be hard to get into because I'm not a Batman fan. But once I get into the gameplay, I'm sure I'll get hooked. Man, I... I did not get hooked. I don't. I think I just tried it at the wrong time. I think everything's there. I think I will like this game. I like how kind of linear it is in actiony, yet also like kind of exploratory. I think it's a cool game. Like it really works for me. But for whatever reason, the synapses are just not firing and not communicating with this game. It's just not happening right now. So I had to put it down. I will come back to it, but for now, I had to put it down. It's just not the right time. So Saturday, I had a really dumbass moment where I was just like looking at my, I'm like, speaking of backlog, so I'm just looking at all these licensed games in my backlog, kind of like Batman, and I come across a couple of like Disney movie tie-in games from like 10, 15 years ago that I just never, like 10 years ago that I just like never played, but I've been meaning to. I'm like, you know what? I have Pixar's Brave the Video Game here on my dashboard. It's been installed to my fucking Xbox for three years because it was games with gold. Like, I got to play this fucker. Guys, I am so surprised to say this, but Brave, I don't know if anyone remembers this movie. It's like one of the not-so-great Pixar movies, one of the very rare not-so-great Pixar movies. But Brave the Video Game is really good. Obviously, you know, from a production standpoint, graphics, voiceover, story, it's a very dumb, cheap movie tie-in game. But 
The gameplay is like this twin stick shooting Diablo dungeon crawling whatever kind of combination mess. And it, it is so much fun. I actually, I sat down and one sitting on Saturday. I played like all the way. It's a short game. I played maybe six hours or so. And I just played through the entire fucking game. And it was awesome. It's, you know, it's not going to blow your mind, you know. If, if you're looking for a dungeon crawler experience, you got Diablo, you got Minecraft Dungeons. But I think for what this game is, and considering when it came out, I think this is a very good game. I was very impressed with it, uh, you know, considering what it was. So definitely give that one a huge shout out. I think it's, it might even be on Game Pass. It was definitely Games with Gold back in the day. So you, you might even have it. Um, not that I expect almost anyone to want to, you know, play that. But, um... Yeah, man, shout out to Brave the Video Game. That was a surprisingly good game. And then the other game, the last game I've been playing, weirdly enough, I, I just had a weird urge to watch Tron Tron Legacy, 2010's Tron Legacy, because right now they're building a Tron roller coaster at Disney, and I'm so excited for it. And so I was like, oh, you know, I want to go home and watch Tron. So I went, I went and watched Tron Legacy. I don't know, dude, I'll be honest. I know Tron Legacy isn't technically a great movie, but I love that movie so much. That is an example of a movie that's not great. I'd say the first act of that movie is really rough. But like acts two and three. And then of course just overall the visuals and the music. The fucking Daft Punk score. And like that amazing, amazing visual style for that movie. God, dude, Tron Legacy is one of those movies I can just watch again and again and again. You just skip the first 20 minutes. And then get into like the grid and just watch that whole movie over and over again. It's such a good movie. So I was watching that and I was like, you know what? I think I also have a Tron game I've never played that's in my backlog. So Tron Evolution, which was the cheap budget movie tying game that came out with Tron Legacy. I decided to boot it up and start playing it. Another game I have probably from Games of Gold a few years ago or something. This game really surprises me because it is rough. It's very parkour based. It's third person action and it has a lot of parkour focus. But... As bad as the parkour is, and as much as it will like get you fucked up or kill you because it's just the, the the controls just aren't great, you can tell this is one of those games where it's like the developers actually had a great concept for a game here. They had a lot of ambition here, but you can tell this is one of those games where it was a movie tying game. So it was budget constraint and time restraint. So they worked with what they had, and this is what we got. But you can tell it's one of those games where like if this if this team was given a blank check and an extra like 18 months of development. This might have actually been a pretty damn good game. And I, I gotta be honest, it it's not fantastic. I can't recommend it to many people, but I'm pushing through it anyway. I want to see it through the end. I'm having a good time. It's frustrating at points because the controls can be so rough, but Tron Evolution, I'm liking it. I'm just a huge fan of Tron. I don't know what it is. I've just I've always liked Tron. It's a weird sci-fi thing that I'm really into. I thought Tron Legacy was a great movie. I'm really hoping that we get a third Tron movie at some time in the future, but Tron Evolution in the meantime it's it's hitting the spot for me right now it's not great but I also must say as a side note developed by Propaganda Games which was the team that remade Turok in like 2008 and then acquired by Disney they're Canadian Canadian based developer they were acquired by Disney back when Disney tried to make games so this studio this is what I didn't know this studio was founded by Josh Holmes and you might be you might be saying hey Josh Holmes he sounds familiar okay so Josh Holmes was one of one of the studio heads at 343. He played a massive role in Halo's 
Reach form. He played. He worked on Halo Reach. He didn't play a massive role in Halo Reach, but he was creative director for Halo Four, and he was a producer on Halo Five. So he played a huge role in some of the more recent Halo games. And he since left three four three to go on. He left three four three like four years ago, five years ago, right after Halo Five came out. Uh, he left to go work at Midwinter or to help find uh, found Midwinter, which is Midwinter's making that new game. What is it called? Scavengers, that PvP free to play. I think it's in beta right now. But anyway, so he's out doing that. But I just thought that was a really interesting anecdote to know he had such a big hand in this game and in this team, and then went on to work at, on Halo. And I got to be honest. If you're playing Tron Evolution and you squint your eyes and think about it just right, there is some like aesthetic kind of, not parody, but inspiration. And I don't know, there's something there between that Tron Evolution, Tron Legacy look and Halo 4's more like digital Promethean kind of sci-fi look that Halo 4 got. You know, obviously Halo 4 was a huge visual departure from Bungie's Halo I got to say that it looks like there is some kind of crossover and I assume a lot of people left I assume a lot of people left propaganda games to go work at 343 so there's probably a lot of people that came with Josh Holmes to go work on Halo after working on this Tron game so just an interesting anecdote I wanted to share I thought you guys might find that interesting but with that out of the way, guys, I know we've been going a long time. Let's jump into the news. It's not a big news week. There's really not a whole lot going on, but I'm excited because let's talk about the new Battlefield game and some other stuff. And I, I think I think we, we got some good discussion ahead of us. So let's let's jump in. All right. So fun thing about this week is I'm trying to get back into writing the news myself. I don't like this thing I've this habit I've gotten into of copying and pasting and then just moving around a couple things and crediting the source like Windows Central reports because I feel like the news would be more fun if it was like my writing and my twist on it and I'd be able to better explain and elaborate and talk about the news if it was like all from my perspective rather than quoting someone else's words so I think it'll be I think it might be a little more fun trying to get back into this way it's a lot of extra work but I think it makes for a more fun podcast so I'm going to try to get into the habit of doing this a little bit more but here we go we literally only have two big news stories this week everything else is just you know little small news, not important enough to make the news, but blah, 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 blah. So literally, here we go. Our first story, after months of speculation, rumors, and leaks, EA have finally revealed the latest installment in the long-running Battlefield franchise, Battlefield 2042. The game was shown today at the time... The game was shown today at the time of this recording during a live stream event that simply showed the revealed trailer running in engine and then bounced the moment the trailer ended, leaving viewers with much more of a brief and poignant reveal than the likes of the recently shown and drawn out games Far Cry and recently drawn out recently shown and drawn out Far Cry 6 and Dying Light 2. The game will boast an impressive 128 player multiplayer matches on current gen hardware as well as on PC. For those still rocking an Xbox One console, the game runs a respectable 64 players per match. The trailer shows the trailer shows the ways in which weather and environmental effects uh, play into the gameplay, for example, sandstorms and tornadoes were shown. This, of course, proving to be a natural evolution of the traditional battlefield mantra of maximum environmental interactivity and destructibility. The game features a wide range of locales, including the Middle East, East Asia, Egypt, and more. However, 
What what had many fans upset was shortly after the reveal, news came out that the game will indeed not include a campaign, a mode that has become a staple of the Battlefield franchise, although in all fairness, most players never even touched the campaign, so it does seem pretty obvious that the team at DICE is simply focusing their efforts on really nailing the game's multiplayer experience, which is of course its core experience, the part of, of Battlefield that is the real bread and butter of the product. A proper gameplay reveal will be held on June 13th, where we'll see the game running in action, taking place during the taking place most likely during the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase, considering that the game's marketing tie-in console brand is indeed Xbox, as it has been since Activision cheated on Xbox with PlayStation beginning in 2015 when Call of Duty Black Ops 3 was announced to be marketed with PlayStation instead of Xbox. Battlefield 2042 will release on Xbox and PC on October 22nd, 2021, and can be pre-ordered right now. It should be noted that EA Play and Game Pass Ultimate subscribers will receive 10% off when purchasing the game because Xbox rules and, and, and Atari drools. So yeah, so I think that's pretty comprehensive in terms of like what you need to know from the reveal. So people have been really, really hyped about this game, and I, I didn't realize that until pretty recently, like... People are really excited about the new Battlefield, and I'm not quite sure where that's coming from. I mean, obviously, Battlefield's a huge franchise and does very well, and people love it a lot, but I just feel like we haven't seen this level of hype for Battlefield in a while. It's kind of weird how that works. I know Battlefield 1 did quite well, and then I feel like Battlefield 5 got a shit ton of hate, and now we're back with 2042, and people are super hyped about it again. I don't, I don't get this. G gamers are so fucking finicky and obnoxious. Remember, like, three years ago... The same people who are making this game, DICE, put out Star Wars Battlefront 2, and the internet was, like, up in arms about how much they hate DICE and hate EA and microtransactions and fuck you, and it was just the biggest story. It was one of those rare gaming stories that, like, really extended outside of the game sphere and got into mainstream media. It was just such a big deal. Honestly, a story that had lasting impacts on the way we think about microtransactions and the way developers and publishers try to monetize games, it was a huge deal, and I just feel like... You know, people always hate on EA, but especially after that, there was just some very serious EA hatred, DICE hatred, you know, this kind of thing. And now, fast forward to 2021, just a few short years later, and everyone's like, yeah, Battlefield 2042, can't wait, most exciting game, fuck Call of Duty. I'm like, whoa, 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 what happened to you guys, like, totally hating same guys, these are the Star Wars guys, they make the Battlefront, Battlefront game, I mean, in all fairness, I know they built a ton of goodwill, because people are really impressed with how they stuck with Star Wars Battlefront 2, um, for so long after its development, really worked on fixing the experience, adding tons of free content, and really making right on, on the wrongs they had done, so, obviously, you know, that, that, to some extent, has, I think, earned them the goodwill, but for, I do, I just feel like gamers are so finicky. It's like one day they're like, yeah, fuck EA, I hate EA. And then the next day they're like, don't forget to pre-order that new EA game because you got to get the 10% off on Game Pass. So it's like, what are, you, what are you guys doing? Anyway, that being said, I must be honest, as a very fair weather Battlefield fan, I'm excited for this game, but with an asterisk. I'm very pissed because I, I was there. I, I was at work. I snuck into the back real quick. I'm like, fuck it. Let me see what's going on with this reveal. I'm kind of intrigued to see this game. So I sneak into the back where I probably shouldn't be saying this in case anyone works here. But, you know, just for a couple of minutes, just want to see what's going on. And the reveal, the, the, the it starts and they show the trailer. I'm like, okay, that's a cool, you know, you know they, they tout the whole running an engine. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like, 
show us the game. Like, I don't give a shit if it's running an engine. I want to see the gameplay because I'm not going to play the cutscenes. I'm going to play the game. And then the five minute trailer running an engine ends and they're just like, catch that gameplay reveal in a couple more days. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Don't do this. Don't do this like multi-part tease. Fuck you. So at first, at first I'm a little upset, but then it seems like no one else really shared that sentiment. Most people were just like, yeah, hype. Battlefield hype. Let's do that. They retweet it and they go, let's go. You know, that's the thing people like to do. I was a little surprised to see not a lot of people complaining about that, but also pleasant to see people not complaining. Um, but yeah, so I think artistically, not artistically, but I guess visually, the game looks really good. The setting looks cool. It's it's the US and Russia again. I understand it's supposed to be a continuation of the Battlefield 4 uh, universe, which I'm not familiar with, although I want to go back and play Battlefield 4 now. But <laughs> how cool would it be if for once, instead of US versus Russia, it was US versus China? Like, come on. How fucking cool would it be if it's just like a Black Ops 2 kind of like semi-future, like near-future setting where you're fighting like the Chinese government's like robot and like army or some shit like that. It's like, I want to fight like, I don't know, a real communist threat. It's always, it's always Russia. It's always some like cold war fallout bullshit. Like, I don't know. But of course we'll never see that because all these big gaming corporations are so tied to China. And so, so pussy whipped by China, I guess is a, is a way to put it. But none, nonetheless, that's totally an aside. I think the game looks really cool. I think some of the locales they showed are really cool. And I think most importantly, this whole idea of like weather and weather effects and things like that and natural disasters playing a role in the game is is really awesome because you got to remember one of Battlefield's always big defining thing, you know, what set Battlefield apart from the competition, especially as Call of Duty rose up the ranks, was always like, well, Battlefield has really, really detailed and intense destructibility. Call of Duty doesn't have that. Well, Battlefield has vehicles. Call of Duty doesn't have that. These were kind of the things that made Battlefield special. And so I feel like taking this weather and natural disaster and storm element and bringing it into the game only kind of furthers that original that original spirit of Battlefield where it's like, okay, well, yeah, you can take a rocket launcher and blow a building and watch it all fall to pieces, and that's Battlefield, right? But now it's like, how do we take that to the next level? It's like, well, now a fucking tornado can come through the map and destroy shit, and you got to react to the way you know, that changes up the map and stuff like that. That's really cool. Having like dynamic weather and be like, well, now it's raining and now it's not. And now it's, now there's a sandstorm and now there's not and see how that impacts vision a lot. I think it's really cool. It could be irritating. We don't know yet. Let's play the game and find out. But at least in theory, I think that's pretty fucking cool to try in something that's somewhat traditionally static in the way that's like, yeah, I mean, obviously every game plays differently, but if you're just playing multiplayer matches over and over again, you're just playing the same maps over and over again, I think it's cool to be like, well, the weather and the natural disasters and things like that can play a role on the map and kind of reshape the way they look and feel, which makes, you know, similar locations feel new again. I I think that's cool. So that's, that's a concept or a feature of this game that I'm really looking forward to learning more about. And I, I don't know, just something about like a, a semi-near future you know, 20 year from now kind of battlefield game sound. It sounds right. It sounds like the appropriate setting in a year where call of duty is going back to world war two, despite no one wanting that. I think it's very, and of course this is coincidental that this is how it worked out. These, these companies aren't responding to each other. Like I hear call of duty is doing world war two this year. What should we do? And they're like, Oh, well, let's do future war. That's, that's, that's not how that works. But I think this like near future setting is really good for battlefield on a year like this. 
And I think what's especially interesting is within the hardcore community, there seems to be a lot of like boo Call of Duty right now and a lot of go Battlefield. But I think that's kind of common in, in line with, with hardcore gamers. Hardcore gamers like Battlefield anyway, just because it's a more fully fleshed out and developed game anyway. It's more hardcore nerdy kind of game. And it's a game with a longer dev cycle than Call of Duty. So I think a lot of like hardcore gamers just kind of inherently respect that more. Um, I mean, let's let's put this into real focus. Call of Duty is a mega seller. Call of Duty has built its name on the casual market. It's Call of Duty sells more copies every year than you, you will ever take breaths of of air. It's that fucking like big of a deal. So like let's let's be honest. Like it's this this game could obviously EA is trying so hard to have Battlefield be a very very serious contender to Call of Duty, and it is you know when you think about Call of Duty competitors, Battlefield probably is the first thing that comes to mind, but it it is still miles and miles behind Call of Duty in terms of mainstream appeal, sales, just brand recognition, yeah, brand recognition, things like that. Like, it, it's hard to compete with Call of Duty. That being said, while there's almost no fucking chance in hell that Battlefield 2042 outsells Call of Duty this year, I think it is very possible that this is a year where Battlefield gains a lot more ground and gets a lot more competitive to Call of Duty. And I like to see that happen just because I like the competition. I like keeping Activision on their toes and forcing their hand to get a little more creative with Call of Duty rather than just investing everything in this fucking Battle Royale mode that no one gives a shit about. Fuck Warzone. I hate Warzone. But that's just an aside. Now, that being said, not much more to say about this, this story simply for the fact that this podcast goes live on the 10th. Three days later, we will see the game in action. We'll have a lot more information. It will be very dated. I will say, I'm very, very grateful that this game is coming out October 22nd. Please, for the love of God, do not delay this game. If there's one game I'm begging that does not get that does not get delayed, it's this one. Because the, October 27th, 22nd sorry, gives this game just enough time for us to play it and enjoy it and get a lot out of it before Halo comes out in November. Please, for the love of God, don't de- delay this game. Unless you're going to delay it to like February or March or something. Because I cannot play this game if you're going to release it around Halo Infinite. So, perfect timing in terms of the release date. I'm happy with that. That That's why I think I'm, I'm having such a hard time being like, oh, I'm going to play Far Cry and Dying Lights. Because those come out like right before and after Halo. And it's like, dude, I'm already playing Back for Blood and Halo Infinite. I don't got time for Far Cry. I don't got time for Dying Light. So... That's kind of where I am with those kinds of games. So I think Battlefield 4 or Battlefield 2042 rather coming out at the perfect time. As someone who is not a Battlefield fan generally, but is, you know, kind of comes and goes from time to time. I think this has the potential to be one of the cooler Battlefields. That being said, I kind of feel hypocritical saying that or just goofy saying that considering we haven't seen the game. But just from a setting and a tone and an ideas perspective from what we do know, they have me intrigued. They have my interest. So we will see. I'm excited to see more for sure. Fairly certain. I'm going to I'm gonna make this prediction. I'm fairly certain this is going to be shown on Xbox's stage. That's where we're going to get the gameplay reveal because EA isn't having their EA Play E3 type event until July 22nd. So that's a month out. So they got to show up somewhere, and this game has its marketing tie-in deal. Battlefield markets with Xbox, and Call of Duty markets with PlayStation. I know it's so convenient for the world to forget about that, because we're so busy giving Xbox shit, because they used to market with Call of Duty, and we used to be like, Call of Duty, Doritos, Xbox, and then the second 
Activision took Call of Duty and started marketing with PlayStation, people just conveniently forgot about that and stopped picking on people for that because can't pick on PlayStation. But anyway, that's just a little salty aside. More importantly, this game's marketing deal is with Xbox, like previous Battlefield games. So they said they're going to show it off on the 13th. What's happening the 13th? Xbox's showcase. It's a no-brainer. This game is showing up on Xbox's stage. Actually, that's uh, that's it. That's all. That's all I really have there. So yeah, I'm Battlefield 2042. Really looking forward to seeing the gameplay in action in a few days here. Really looking forward to bringing it up next week. Hopefully, we have some really promising things to talk about. But uh, it's shaping up to be a Battlefield year. I never played Battlefield 4, so I'm going to go ahead and download that and give it a try. I was a big fan of the Bad Company games as well as Battlefield 1. My The, the only four Battlefield games I ever really got into, Bad Company 1, which is like my favorite uh, Battlefield game, Bad Company 2, which is pretty good, uh... 1942, which is the Xbox Live Arcade download game from like 2009, 2010, 2009, I think. And then Battlefield 1, which I, I didn't really get into the multiplayer, but I really liked that game's vignette-style World War One campaign they did. So anyway, let's be done with that. And then our second and only other story, which is a really quick one, reads that Twitter account ZeroBytes0 Zero leaked some images earlier this week that seem to suggest that Ubisoft has a new project base uh, so has a new objective-based PvP Tom Clancy multiplayer game in the works. Codenamed Battlecat, the first-person shooter is in an early development project and in ter- internally is still miles away from being ready to show. Battlecat appears to allow players to take on the role within one of the four prominent Tom Clancy universe factions. Echelon from Splinter Cell, the Wolves from Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and the Cleaners and Outcasts from The Division. That's four. Or that's three. What are, what are we missing? Anyway... Each faction is made to have their own unique playstyle, pulling from their respective franchises to offer players a style of gameplay tailored to their favorite of the represent IP in the game. Battlecat is clearly Ubisoft's attempt at a hero shooter or platform shooter, similar in the vein of like an Overwatch or a Team Fortress 2. And although the project is not confirmed by any means, the existence of this news certainly lends some backing up to Ubisoft's recent statement to investors about wanting to become more involved with multiplayer and service-type games that can later be filled in with additional content once the player base is established. So you may remember, and that's the big thing, is you might remember Ubisoft was saying at their investor meeting a few weeks ago, basically that they want to kind of diversify a little bit and do more games that are like, here's the skeletal structure of a game, put it out there, make it free to play, make it more accessible. If the game takes off, then we will invest in it and build it out from there. Things like, whatever that battle royale game they did last year that I forgot the name of was. But so in that sense, this makes sense to think that this game is in development. Probably now will it get canceled or evolve into something else? Because it's probably in really early development stages. Maybe we don't know. This has obviously been leaked pretty prematurely, but I think one, it's very in line with what Ubisoft's talking about in trying to get away from just the tentpole, triple a assassin's creed, far cry games. And also, (laughs) I hate this. I fucking hate this. I'm not a Tom Clancy guy. There's no Tom Clancy franchise I'm really into. I've tried to get into Ghost Recon. It hasn't really worked for me. I tried to get into some of the Rainbow Six games. The closest I ever got was Rainbow Six Vegas. I've never tried The Division. I don't really have any interest in it. And Splinter Cell's a game I've always been curious about, but I've never given a try. So, and I know that's like, especially the old Splinter Cells are so Xbox oriented. That's like almost blasphemy to say that, but if there's anything I had to take away from this, it's that Ubisoft fucking hates Splinter Cell, man. Like, 
Ghost Recon still gets new games. Division still gets new games. Everyone in the world is asking, please, more Splinter Cell. We need Splinter Cell to come back. Where is Splinter Cell? And Ubisoft is continuously like, here's Sam Fisher in an iPhone game. Here's a, 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 a lewd photo of Sam, picture, of Sam Fisher at a costume party from 1973. Uh, here is Sam Fisher's diary that he used to write in when he was in seventh grade uh, because, because he was very in touch with his emotions. It's like, guys, stop fucking around. Give us a Splinter Cell game. Like, what's that? You want a game that has aspects of Splinter Cell but isn't a Splinter Cell game? Okay, here is the um, Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, Breakpoint, Ghost Recon, Tom Clancy edition. It's like, dude, come the fuck on. Like, cool. This is kind of weird to try to tie in all these universes together under the Tom Clancy umbrella, especially considering Tom Clancy's dead. But apparently they're going to try to make all these games work together in one kind of first-person hero shooter type game, which I think is just fucking weird as shit. But also it's like, how dare you not have a new Splinter Cell after all these years, but you have the audacity to do something like this. And obviously, it's hard to get mad at Ubisoft right now because it's like, well, they didn't announce this. This was leaked. So presumably, this is being developed alongside a new Splinter Cell game. But if there's no new Splinter Cell game and this is what they have to show, how dare you, Ubisoft? But yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it other than that. But with that said, guys, that, that's our news. It's it's a slow news week. So wrapping up with the important enough news. Stories important enough to make the podcast, not important enough to make, warrant their own discussion. Speaking of Ubisoft, they've announced that Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Quarantine, its upcoming player-verse environment game, uh, tactical shooter, of course, is now titled, it's been renamed officially as they said it would be, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Extraction. The company confirmed the rebrand with a teaser trailer ahead of its Ubisoft 43 event, where the publisher is expected to debut gameplay for the project for the first time. Next up, IGN reports that Ghost Runner, the well-received Cyborg Ninja action game, is coming to Xbox Series X on September 28th from publisher 505 Games. They announced it this week. The Series X version will come with improved graphics and performance along with several new features. Next, Overwatch news. We've got Blizzard announcing a cross-play beta coming to Overwatch, allowing players to team up from PlayStation, PC, Xbox, Switch, whatever. You can all get nerdy with Overwatch together now. And lastly... Some sad news to go out on. Following the flop of his latest game, Balan Wonderworld, Balan Company studio leader and Sonic the Hedgehog co-creator, Yuji Naka, has quietly left Square Enix. The legendary game developer has said that he cannot say at this time why he has decided why he's left Square Enix, but does note that he is considering possibly going into retirement. This is kind of, that, that one's kind of a sad one. I in the Sonic community, which I follow, that a lot of people sharing that story this week. Just kind of a sad thing because Yuji Naka is a guy who has contributed so much to this industry. And I'm not just saying that as a Sonic fan. Like, Sonic and the way that changed Sega and his involvement with many other Sega properties. He even worked in, like, Fantasy Star and shit like that. Like, this guy has some serious credit in some really important games that really helped evolve and shape and change the game's landscape forever. And, man, that guy has just been on dud after dud ever since he left Sonic Team all like 10, 15 years ago. And it's just kind of sad because he's a really important figure in the industry. And I'm really appreciative of, of his work, but it's so sad to just see him, you know, constantly put out these games that kind of get laughed at and are kind of duds. And I know battle and wonder world has been just lauded so much. People just really like picking on that game, but I don't know. I, I have a hard time laughing just because I have such a soft spot for this guy. 
and I want to see him happy and succeed so much. I, this whole story just kind of makes me sad. I hope, you know, if he is considering something like retirement, I hope that's out of a personal desire to retire and not out of like feeling shamed out of this industry that he's been a part of for so very long. So that's a little sad news to go out on, but guys, that's it for all of our news this week. Uh, as a reminder, you know, Xbox wire posts, the new game releases of the week. We have been going on for quite a while, so I am going to kind of skip through. There's nine new releases, but the only really notable thing that I would like to point out is Ninja Gaiden master collection, which is out now. It comes out today at, as the time this podcast goes live. So you can get the first three Ninja Gaiden, uh, Xbox games all together with DLC costumes and things like that. Remastered looking. So that's available now. Definitely worth a try. If you like grueling games, but other than that, a little reminder for Games of Gold, you got The King's Bird, available for the whole month. Shadows Awakening, available from June 16th to July 15th. Neo Geo Battle Coliseum for 360, available until the 15th. And also available for 360, you got Injustice, Gods Among Us, available from June 16th through the end of the month. And that is going to do it for everything on Xbox On, guys. A reminder... Next week's episode will be our big E3 extravaganza, but it will go live at its regular Thursday slot. I will be driving home from Georgia early that day and then working on the podcast all day. But rest assured, this baby will be coming out hot, fresh, and ready for you Thursday morning. So really looking forward to that, guys. Hopefully next time we talk, we have a release date for Halo Infinite. We're all feeling really confident on it. Um, We see some Battlefield gameplay. We see some uh, Starfield gameplay. Guys, I'm really... Let me close out. This is just for the the very few of you that stick through to the very end of the show. There's a little little secret, a little Easter egg. I got five E3 predictions for you. Real quick, I'll rattle them off in no particular order. Here are my little E3 predictions. We got one, Fable will not be shown. They will not show gameplay for Fable. Two, Phil Spencer says something about letting gamers choose how and where they want to play. Three, Xbox is working with Disney and Sega to make an exclusive Sonic in Disney World game available exclusively for me. Four, Halo Infinite has a strong showing, but disappoints anyway because fanboys are insufferable. And five, Rare still doesn't know what the fuck Everwild is. Those are my five predictions for E3. Hopefully, we'll reconvene next week Next week and see if I was right about any of those. And that's a little, a little just a... Well, extra something special for the few of you that make it all the way to the very end of the episode. So with that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to Xbox On. Uh, I'll see you next week. Let's get all pumped for it. Let's go. I, people always say that. I don't know why people, gamers always say that. Let's go. Uh, so guys, let, much like the thing people like to say on the internet, let's go power your dreams. Watch your step and please be safe. And it's a long way to go till we get home. And piece by piece, I took it slow, and I found myself outside your door.
And we say these things, but it's just too much to take. And I've fallen away from you.